hey, raise your hand if you have really big ideas and then you you become your big idea and you think this is my new business. Raise your hand if that's you. Unless you're driving, then don't. Oh, all of you. Okay, well, then we should get Sarah Vermont back here to talk about starting a business. are listening to ADHD Big Brother, the podcast for adults struggling with their ADHD and comorbid depression symptoms. Yeah. I'm your host, Russ Jones, author of Descending to the Top, believer that you can actually have a smile in your life despite this diagnosis. So let's make some sense out of this struggle. Let's learn some stuff. Let's laugh at some stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, here's some stuff. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the showgram. So this is another guest one. We got Sarah Vermont's back. Uh, we're talking about starting business for us ADHD folkaroonies. If this is your first introduction to Sarah, check this out. Sarah Vermont, she is the founder of Careergasm and the best-selling author of the book Careergasm and Career Rookie. She helps people make career changes so they can do work that actually feels good, whether it's staying in the traditional world of work or starting their own business. Her work has been featured on Forbes, Fortune, entrepreneur, fast company. Each month, her career advice is pumped out to millions of people in North America. Okay, she's a big deal. She's a big deal to me. She lives in Toronto, and she lives online at careergasm.com. She's helped me inadvertently. She didn't even know me back then uh, through her book, Careergasm, and she's helped me through our work uh, as my career coach. And she, it works. She is amazing. Um, if you want to know more about her backstory, you could listen to the previous time that she was on the show as episode 83. She talks about her own journey. Her personal journey is a little bit more there. Okay, so one thing that comes up in our community, and I'm massively guilty of it, and I see it a lot in our community uh, with a lot of ADHD folks, we get big ideas. They become all-consuming. We dedicate our lives to them. We throw a lot of money at them, and then they explode, or we forget, or we lose our juice for them, and we walk away, you know, spiraling into, you know, like self-loathing. It's like that badass clip, you know, in the movies when the guy walks away towards camera from the exploding building. It's that, except for we're walking away towards camera crying with our shoulders slumped. Like, I did it again. I got it. I figured it failed again. What am I doing? When am I going to learn? Well, that's where Sarah enters the picture. She is amazing at this stuff. She's got all kinds of insights. Let us talk to Sarah Vermont about starting a business, especially when you have ADHD. Let us join the conversation as it is beginning. I want to start the podcast like that with the lady. Recording in progress. Hello. Welcome to this podcast episode. Um, Sarah, you're back. Welcome back. I'm back. Hi, Russ. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, Sarah's here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I want to frame this for everybody. You're here. We're going to be talking about uh, ADHD people. We are idea people. We have a lot of big ideas and we got a lot of business ideas. So who better to help us wrangle the beast of our business ideas than, uh, than you, Sarah Vermont. Thanks. Oh, thanks. So I wanted to start us off by talking about so from the the inception of the idea i'll speak to me a little bit because i know who i was back before i didn't know uh, i was just like i have an idea i have to do this this is who i am if i had your knowledge back in the very very first brilliant idea that i had how what would be the first things that i would ask myself uh starting a business 
Okay. So, you know, there's, there's a few things that like everyone has to ask, but I actually think these questions are specifically and especially helpful for people with ADHD because it does help you wrangle the beast. So first big broad questions are, what is this thing I want to do or make? If you can't really say it in a sentence, you haven't gotten specific enough. Like if you're talking in paragraphs and if you're sort of spinning and spitballing and you can't quite nail it yet, you have to get more focused. So first challenge is, can you say what you want to do or make in a short sentence? Harder than you would think. But if you can do that, then you've got your business idea focused enough. Second question is, who do I want to help or who do I want to make this for? Because trust me, you might think you want to make it for everyone, but you don't. There are some people you don't want to work with. There are some people you don't want to try to sell this thing to. So getting focused on what the thing is and who your people are, I would say that's the first order of business. And it's, as you know, Russ, a a lot harder than you would think to articulate. Yeah, I really, uh, the second one for me was probably my Achilles heel. I could, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my, the the things that I did back in the day, like, oh, I started a, a line of clear stamp sets. I'm like, oh, I knew exactly what I was making. So I had number one ticked off, but yeah. the, who I was serving was a community of people that I did not have a lot in common with. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, like... I don't realize like how much embedded into the world you're going to be if you're starting a business about something. So Mm -hmm. it should be something that really, and you know what, Uh, side note, this actually, I was about to ramble on about something, but this speaks to your book, Careergasm. Yeah. Like, I know I gushed on you a million times about what, (laughs) how game changed my life, (laughs) but finding a purpose in what I'm doing and going, oh, that fuels this thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's key. And like, maybe it would be helpful for listeners, for you and I, just to sort of use our businesses as an an example of who we do and don't serve, just to sort of give this some some color. So for example, when I was asking myself the question, what do I want to do and who do I want to serve? I was like, okay, I want to help people make shifts in their career. So for some people, that's career changes. For some people like you, it's helping them start their own business. Um, That's a broad category. So I had to get more focused than that. So I was like, Okay, who I don't want to help, I don't want to help people who are already super clear on what the thing is. Because actually, I'm really good at helping people get clarity. And I actually really enjoy helping people who feel a little bit lost. And I enjoy helping people work through all of that sort of like emotional mess at the beginning of things. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to position my business for people who feel lost they know they need to change and they want help. You see how much more specific um, that is than just yes. saying, like, I'm a career coach and I can help you with anything. And so what that does for me is it brings the right people to me and it keeps the people that I don't want to work with out. Like I don't have to deal with emails from them. They're not going to, when they come to my website, they're not going to want to work with me. So it's almost like it gives everyone I want to work with like a special little red carpet because they know exactly what I do and they can find me easily. Same is true for your business too, Russ. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because there's people that you help and there's people that you were clear about like, oh, like sh- these, the, there's nothing wrong with these people, but these people aren't for me, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember honing that down. Uh, my overarching statement is adults with ADHD and depression who need to get their shit together. 
like exactly. they're struggling in some way to get their shit together. Those people, I, I love helping because it's a skill building thing. Um, <laughs> we were doing this exercise. I was like, I don't want to help assholes. Yeah. I don't want to help people that are total douchebags. I put that on my list. <laughs> and you know what? So far, so good. But the, uh, and then I'm, I was very clear uh, that I don't want to help kids. Not yeah, that kids don't help need help, kids. but I think that when you're helping kids with ADHD, that is a very specific um, type of person. And I think more so than helping the kid, you're helping the adult. You're help, you, it's more of a, I'm helping a normie parent understand yeah. their kid. And that's a specific skill set and a specific type of person. And that's not something I'm more for. I'm helping the 55 year old dude who has just like, what? Oh, this is the reason my life has been shitty. Oh my God. Now I know. And then helping them to build their skills up. And it's, yeah. it, that's been a super, uh, like working with you and defining that was awesome. It was really super helpful. It, it's a game changer. And, you know, for anyone who's thinking about, about starting a business, here's why it's a game changer. It makes it really easy to talk to your people because you know exactly who you're talking to. So for example, if you're writing an email to your email list, you have a really clear idea about who's reading that. If you're writing the web copy or like a sales page for your product or offering, you know exactly who those people are. And importantly, maybe we can get into this, you know exactly what problems you're helping those people with. Do you remember I had you do an exercise where we talked about problem-focused language and I wanted you to write out the specific problems that you know your people are struggling with in their words? That's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. I, you know, and I think it's also helpful that, uh, I, and this is just me talking about the stuff that I've been building is that for me, it's, uh, I, these are my problems or these were yeah. my problems. And so yeah. it's really easy to speak to something that I've lived, w- which has been helpful to me. Yeah. Um, and that's true for a lot of service-based business owners. So, you know, mostly I help folks like you who have some sort of service, like they are their business, right? And that's the way my business too. Like I help individuals. When you have that kind of business, boy, it's really good to have a business where like you've been in the shoes of your customer because you can really speak to it with some authority. So for you, it's like you helping people navigate this ADHD thing with some tools that you know actually work, right? You've been there, you've used them, you know they work. With me, I help people who feel stuck in jobs where they're miserable because boy, I have been there too. And I've gone through that particular (laughs) ring of fire on my own. Um, And I just think not only is that helpful for the work, but like it helps people to trust you a little bit more when they know you have been where they are and you have struggled with what they're going through and you've sort of found a way to move through that ring of fire. This question pops up to me where I've gone down this road so many times and spent so much money and fucking just failed. And it's a soul crush every time. But the um, the starting of the business and the going, okay, so what is it worth? What am I what am I doing and what is it worth? And there is the imposter syndrome in there. And I've talked to people in the forum about um, you know, like I'd make a thing, but it's not worth anything because I would make it for free. I would do it for free for anybody. And even me, you know, we're coming up with the rate that I charge for one-on-one. I'm like, oh no, I'm not worth it. I just want to help people, you know, it's um, 
it's like this idea of like, I would do it for free, you know, <laughs> just to help people. But there is, what would I, coming up with what would I charge and what would I, or what is my art worth, artwork worth? Like, how do we, what is that process like? Oh, it's a doozy. And as you mentioned, it's a really emotional pr- process for people yeah. because, you know, for you, you were coming at it from such a, like, uh, you know, such a place of integrity. You've got so much heart. You're such a loving dude and you you do just want to help people, but you also want to feed your kids and pay your mortgage. Right. That's <laughs> um, it's pretty important. So, um, and then there are other people who also struggle with pricing who struggle with pricing because of like a worthiness thing. They're like, yeah. oh, maybe maybe I'm not good enough to charge this price yet. Or maybe like I should have 10 years of experience before I charge this price. Um, the way I like to think about pricing, and this is specifically for service-based businesses, and we can talk about this sort of artists, makers, creative stuff as well later. Um, but I like to use something called value-based pricing. And value-based pricing is a way to look at your pricing when you're not necessarily looking at just like the, the like let's say hourly, quote unquote, hourly rate that you would charge people. You're looking at what is it worth to help somebody solve this problem? So in your case, what is it worth to help someone truly get their shit together around some ADHD stuff that they're really struggling with. In my case, what is it worth to someone to help them get out of that job that they hate and into something that feels better? Turns out that's actually worth quite a lot. Um, And so there's a whole range of prices that you could choose and you have to choose one that feels good and in integrity for you that's hopefully accessible to most of the people that you want to serve. Um, And then you just feel it out at the beginning of your business. Most people in their first year of business will tweak their pricing a little bit. Um, Most people start their prices too low with their business. Um, I Who are you talking about? (laughs) Who are you talking about? Yeah, you did that at the beginning of your business. And I think that's okay. Um, you know, until you get a little more comfortable with the value that you're actually bringing people. Um, but most people do have to uh, increase their prices a little bit after they've started, because once they start working with people, they realize, oh my gosh, this is, first of all, this is a lot of work I'm putting into it. So I am actually working really hard for these people and holy shit, they're getting so much out of it. And they're thrilled to give me money to help me solve this problem. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, you know, and I think we're going to talk about this on your webinar coming up, by the way, everybody, I'm going to be on Sarah's webinar coming up. We'll talk about it later, but the, uh, (laughs) maybe you can hold my feet to the fire on this. Cause one of my, my pricing idea when it came to the one-on-one coaching or big brothering, I don't like the word coach. I still don't like it. I'm going to have to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, is the, uh, you know, it's 150 bucks a session. And that was determined based on me going, if I'm going to do this, what do, what do I have to charge in order for me to make this worth it? So to do it. Right. But then I was like, but what about the people that can't afford that? What do I do? And so the forum was created for that purpose, which is it's 15 bucks a month. Can you speak to the, if that, you know, and then the podcast is free, right? Anybody can listen yeah. to this and get free information. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Your thoughts on if I'm doing this right, is the pricing on the form right or wrong? Or, or, or what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's right because we've already worked through your model, right? As a part okay. of our work together. So yeah. yeah, I think it's right. And also like what I really like about the way you've set up pricing in your business and also the way I've set it up in mine, because it's similar, is you have different offerings for different people right? So uh-huh. the one-on-one work by nature, it has to cost more money because it's more of an investment of your time and energy, right? Yeah. Um, but similar to you, like I have lower priced offerings. So for example, for I have a program for new students and it's a third of the price of my other programs because they're students and grads and like that's more accessible for them. Yeah. And I have like a whole page of like 20 different free offerings for people. And I think that's really, it's not essential for a business, but you and I are both, you know, we, we genuinely want to help people. And so if there are people who are paid offerings, like they're not accessible to them financially, there's some other good stuff that they can get for free too. That's why I have my free offerings. That's a part of the reason why you do the podcast and it feels nice to have some free offerings for people. Here, yeah. here's, here's also the silver lining from a business perspective. Most people will want to check out some of your free stuff before they go ahead and decide that they want to take on some of your paid offerings. So it's kind of a twofer there. It gets to help people who maybe your paid work isn't accessible for, and it gives people a taste of your work to help right. them decide if they want to invest in working with you. Oh, that's awesome. That's, I like how you phrase that. Here's something that was kind of a rude awakening for me, mm-hmm. which was m- most of the time I think I have a really kick-ass idea. This is going to change the world. Oh my God, when people get this, they're going to love it. And five, if, if five million people buy it, I'll be a millionaire. And then, <laughs> and then, they, then they don't. 20 people yeah. buy a thing. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, the, in terms of the timeline, a realistic timeline. Like, so for me, I'm two years into this podcasting, right? And I'm only now after working with you seeing financial, uh, like where I'm like, oh, this is a business I've got. Um, Can you speak to the, how much time do you give this thing? How do you know? When do you know? Yeah. Um, Here's a true, but annoying answer. It is going to be different for everyone, depending on your business, what kind of services you offer, what you charge and whether you're doing it full time or like working a day job while you're building this thing. Cause if you are building your business while you're working a day job, which honestly is what I recommend. It's what I started to, like I was still a business professor when I first started my coaching practice. I still have my day job. Yeah. And so it's it's still going on. Yeah, yeah. Totally, right? And you know, there's a certain amount of safety and security with that and it helps take the pressure off of your business to need to be like paying your mortgage right away because that's not realistic. So 95% of the the folks I work with are exactly like you and they start their business while they have something under their feet yeah. to pay their bills while they're building. And there's a few reasons why that's good. When you have some sort of work to help you support your building, it's kind of like, think of it as the scaffolding. Think of your day job as the scaffolding around the thing that you really want to build. It helps you build it safely, right? So this is a nice way to think about it. A lot of people feel like when when they're sort of still doing the day job while they're building their business, 
they feel a bit shitty about it. They're like, oh my God, like maybe I should, shouldn't this be taking off a little sooner? But the truth is it takes a while to like work out the kinks in your business. It takes a while to learn the things you need to learn to make some tweaks in order to get the business going. So most people have like a runway for some people. I mean, for me, um, I only did the sort of day job thing for four months before I went full time. But there's there's some risk involved no matter no matter when you do it. For some people, it's six months. For some people, it's a year. It depends on how quickly you do the build um, and how much time you're devoting to it, um, which isn't an especially helpful answer for people. Cause I know people want the answer. It's like, you can expect six months and you're off and running, but, <laughs> but the truth is it depends what you do with the time. If, yeah. if, you, if all you do is slap together a website and you sort of, you know, cross your fingers and say, if I build it, they will come, but you don't do any marketing or bring people to it in six months down the road. You, but you, you better still have that full-time job because there's going to be nobody paying for your services. So it really yeah. depends on what you do with the time. I think that's the good. And I know the the vagueness, I get that. And I can feel the um I can feel the it's gonna take as long as it takes, depending on the work that you put into it. Um yeah. I've I've been in situations where I invest everything. I oh it's gonna kill me. I'm gonna choke up thinking about it. The where you you go, oh I got I'm all in. This is the thing that's gonna make it for me. And and there's no there's no stability in that. There's only chaos. But yeah. that's where we live because we become <laughs> this thing and this yeah. thing is going to be everything to me. And mm-hmm. then the first shitty roadblock happens and it's over. Yeah. The and so there's, yeah, there's something to be said about, okay, I know my purpose. I know what I'm doing. And I have this uh, stability job yeah. that only affords me maybe a few hours a day or a couple hours a day here and there or whatever it is to build this thing that has purpose. But then what, like what you're saying, working out the kinks, anytime I hit a kink, I can go, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. What the hell just happened there? Oh, well, this is my purpose. I'm going to look at that kink. I'm going to work out that kink and keep going. But I know that I have a paycheck coming still. Yeah. Now oh, there's something to be said so that and it'll take as long as it takes. Yeah. Um, and also like, I, I also think there's something to be said for the value of feeling safe while you're building something. There's this weird sort of, uh, I think, very ill-advised energy out there in a lot of entrepreneurial circles where it's like, you know, jump in the net, we'll catch you. Like, just, you know, like, just jump off the cliff. Just You just got to do it. And okay, sure, you have to move in the direction of the thing that you want. But like, I don't think it's actually wise to jump without a safety net because let's say you... If like, listen, if you're independently wealthy or you have like, you know, like a mountain of like Scrooge McDuck's cash, like go, go for it. But if you don't, what's actually going to happen is the pressure of having to have your business pay all of your bills right away is going to paralyze you. And that kind of emotional and mental paralysis is not good for business because you're not going to move forward and do the things that you need to do because you'll be so freaked out. Yeah. And double that for ADHD, triple it for depression. And you go, okay, I, I, anything now I'm going to spend most of my day in a state of overwhelm and chaos and self-loathing that I I'm ruining my life. And I'm going to spend my time escaping drugs, alcohol, sex, all the ADHD impulsive, get me out of this. 
Um, yeah. And that's no way to live. That sucks. Yeah. Been there. Can I, can I quickly speak to something you said a couple of minutes ago? Because mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. You said, you know, a lot of folks who have ADHD, you think like the next the next big thing is like the thing. And like you, you just like sort of like imagine like this is going to be amazing. All I need is five million people to buy this thing. Um, <laughs> One thing that can be helpful when you're thinking about starting a business is like just knowing that the scale is going to be quite small at the beginning. And maybe we can use like talk a little bit about your forum as an example. Yeah. So your forum is an amazing thing. And when we first started working together, you were like, the forum, I think, is the thing I want to focus on. And quickly we found out that like, okay, yeah, the forum is incredible. By the way, everybody sign up for Russ's forum because it sounds amazing. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to pay but, you $30 for that ad real quick after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, when you have a very low ticket item, so $15 for the forum, you really need a, like a zillion people in there in order for that to be the thing that pays your bills, right? And yeah. so when we were working together, I was like, oh my God, people want to work with you one-on-one. And there's way more potential for you to make more money with one-on-one work yep. for now. So you get to help people who want the help. It's going to help you get out of your day job sooner. So the reason I'm bringing this up is um, scale really matters at the beginning. And it's helpful to just know that your scale is going to be quite small at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um And then that will help you strategize which offerings you should put most of your energy into, let's say, in the first one or two years. When your business has grown a little bit more, sure, you can pivot a little bit and focus strategy on other things because your audience is a little bit larger, right? But in those first couple of years, it's helpful to gear things towards the smaller audiences that you're going to have. Speaking of prices, how do you, so Sam, an artist. I make stuff. I make furniture. Um, I make bags. I make um, I make stuff. Is there a methodology that you would recommend for determining the value that you put that product out at? Yeah. So this is where, honestly, my knowledge is a little bit limited. So I'll share what I know, and then okay. I'm going to send people off to do their research. Because uh, I'm not one to ever blow smoke up anyone's ass. I've got uh, ideas. I've got I, ideas. Of- <laughs> I am very clear about where my knowledge uh, is is strong and where it's what not. Is, you just said so, it's twenty five dollars. The answer to your question is twenty five dollars. Question. Oh no, my god, you're great. <laughs> here's the real answer. Um, it depends who you're selling it to, how you're marketing what the volume is of the thing that you're creating. Um, and also like, like even geographically, like where you're selling it, like, are the, like, are you selling it in a city like New York? Are you selling it in like a small town in like rural America? The pricing is going to have to be very different depending on who your customers are and what the demand is. So what I tell the few product-based business folks that I help is, um, research, 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 see what other people are charging, see what demographics they're trying to sell to, see like where they're running their business from. Um, And that should probably inform what you decide to sell. Um, I think that's way more important for product-based businesses, Uh, you know, the furniture makers, the artists, way more important for those folks than let's say the service-based businesses. 
because for service-based businesses, folks like you and I, especially folks who can do this work from anywhere, like we work virtually, um, our reach can be quite wide. That's not necessarily the same for, let's say, a furniture builder. I mean, sure, maybe you can ship worldwide, but you're going to have to take uh, shipping costs and things into account, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. The other, the other tricky thing about, let's say, um, someone who is an artist is value is subjective mm-hmm. for art, right? And so there are some people who would be willing to pay, let's say, a really high price for some art and some people who wouldn't. Um, and even whether a certain person likes a certain kind of art is subjective. So all of that subjective stuff does make pricing a little bit trickier for folks who are artists. So that's why I don't want to give, um, a one size fits all answer, especially for that group. Well, could you speak a little bit to, um, the handhold of research sometimes like, uh, and I, I think about ADHD minds. And okay, oh yeah, I got to research. Okay, I'll, I'll research. How? Where? How do I? Where do I go? What do I do? What do I look up? Okay, yeah, I can give you a specific example of something I was helping a guy with yesterday, actually. So Perfect. I'm working with someone right now who is um, starting a business um, around musical instrument repair. So he's oh. a real music guy. He's someone who has a regular nine to five day job. Really wants to leave. He's loved music his whole life, and he's decided after much trepidation and fear around entrepreneurial journey and all of it, that like, you know, he really wants to help fix instruments in his community. He's really good at it. He does it anyway. Um, He's a perfect guy for this, but he needs to do some research to figure out what his pricing is going to be, like how he gets customers, all that stuff. So one of the things I'm having him do right now is research just other people who have that kind of business research the pricing that they have. And here's what's um, extra helpful, especially if you have like a brick and mortar kind of business where you're like dealing with stuff or things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having him do research in other cities and areas. And I'm having him not only look at their websites, but have conversations with folks like in other cities. He's on the West Coast, so he's going to be talking to people from, you know, other cities in the middle of the country on the East Coast for a couple of reasons. The biggest reason is those folks aren't going to see him as competition. So they're more likely to be uh, really open about their experience doing that kind of work because, you know, let's say he reaches out to someone on the East Coast, like millions of miles away. uh, He's he's not going to be a threat to them. So that person's going to be more, um, more open, but I always have people do research from like a whole bunch of different places. So don't just research like what one other guy is doing. See if you can figure out what 10 other guys are doing and then glean what you notice the commonalities are because you don't want to build your business on just what one guy's doing, because you don't know if it's working for him or not. You don't know if that's going to be a good model for you. But if you sort of go around and let's say nine out of the 10 businesses that you're using as sort of a case study have something in common, there's probably a reason for that. And you can probably trust that that information will be helpful in informing you on your pricing or let's say your shipping or, you know, the certain way you talk about something in your offerings. So 
getting research from a variety of sources, um, some of them from outside of your geographic area, mm-hmm. and then sort of like zooming out and noticing what the common themes are around the things you're noticing is really helpful. And I think that's true no matter what kind of business you're going to run, whether it's a service-based business or a product-based one. I think that's great. Yeah. It feels like the more data points you have that you're looking at, the more insights will pop out. Oh, I see what you're talking about with the commonalities. I I can see that happening. And I think that's awesome. Now Uh, there's a caveat to that. Do you want me to, do you want me to get into the tricky bit? No, we're good without the caveats. <laughs> See you later. Click. <laughs> yeah, of course. Here's the tricky bit. You might want to do something a little bit different than what most people are doing. Yes. Um, and I think you should honor that. So I'll use myself as an example. When I did research before I started my career coaching practice, I noticed that most people helped people with like the tactical side of things. So like the resume, the networking, like all of that stuff is important, but I find it deeply boring. And I I knew that I wanted to help people with sort of like the deeper personal development, getting unstuck, figuring out what matters to them, peace. And all of that stuff comes before the resume. Like like it's, it's like all of the, it's all of the pre-job search stuff, like figuring out what the heck you want. That's the piece I wanted to help people with. And I couldn't really find people who were doing that. So had I only paid attention to what other people are doing, I may have built a business that didn't, that wasn't quite what I wanted to build. So the caveat oh, there, good. yeah, like make sure that you don't overly focus on what other people are doing and how they're doing it, because you might want to do something a little bit different. Yeah, I'm a thousand percent in your boat. And I think people with my kind of school spaghetti would resonate big time with you on that. And I know even for me, like, you know, I hate the fucking word coach. And there's certain uh, ways that you're supposed to do it and that you're supposed to not do it. And I go, I'm the more I I even had a, uh, there's somebody that I I coach in the forum and Mm -hmm. And I was like, can I just try some stuff? Because it's, uh, she's super helpful to me. And I tried to do the, um, what a certified coach would do or what, what, a, what a, and all the books, I read all these books, right? I've all these, st- I study coaching yeah. left and right, you know, it's, and, and psychology and the world. And she, when we got done, I was like, what did you think about the, these questions? She's like, I, Russ went away. I go, I, she's like, I, I prefer Russ. And I'm yeah. like, That's, uh, me too. I'm like, I prefer to get in the sandbox with people and yeah. be like, I am going to tell you about myself. Coaching isn't about you. Nah, I know, but it's, <laughs> but I'm going to share my lived experience if yeah. I feel like it will help somebody. Yeah. And so it, for me, I'm like, yeah, it, you see what other people are doing, but don't give up. If there's a light inside of you, that's like calling you toward a certain thing, right? I'm rambling now. I can feel myself. No, this rambling. is this is gold. I I am nodding my head uh, vigorously. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Let me then. I want I want to get off of it though. But the uh, I want to ask you about the the. This is the sad question. Sure. Um, before we wrap up, is um, w- when do you know that it's not working? When do you know that it's that you go ah this was not the way to go? And knowing full well that I had a day job and I said oh. I'm, my life isn't over, mm-hmm. but this particular journey is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. 
What would your barometers be for that? There's a there's a couple of different ways that things could go wrong. One is it's simply not making you any money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty important in a business to make money. <laughs> Wait, what? Right? So I would say that's barometer number one. Although I wouldn't say the fact that you're not making money yet means you should stop. I mean, I think the fact that you're not making money yet means you should really think about strategy, get some help with strategy. Um, there's a sense of, I I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, There's a sense of uh, if, if I'm not making any money, I didn't try hard enough. Like it could have made money, but it, but I didn't, I failed. Um, how do I separate that? The easiest way. And I'm, I'm sort of oversimplifying it just for the, the, the purpose of time here, but like, have you taken programs or courses or, you know, like, have you actually learned methods to, to strategize things? Are you learning from people who've done it before, or have you just tried to wing it? If you've just tried to wing it, it's probably not that you can't make the business work. It's probably just that you haven't learned the right things yet or found the right tools yet. That's one thing that'll help you tease that out because most of us foolishly, and I, I'm guilty of this too, we think that we should be able to do everything ourselves. It's such a silly, yes. it's, it's yes. such a silly thing and it is so hard for us to ask for help. And what's crazy is like you and I are, are nodding our heads about, holy shit, it's so hard to ask for help. And we are people who help people for a living. Like oh, how yeah. ridiculous is that like we know the value of asking for help and getting help but it's so hard so i think probably the first piece is if you're not making money yet you probably need some help with structure and strategy right so figure out who you want to learn from and choosing the right people to learn from i feel is really important if you get an ick factor or if it feels like constraining or if you see that their model works for them but there's something about their energy that you don't like that is not the person for you. Everyone that who I have learned from and really benefited from, I've really liked their vibe. There's something about the energy of their yeah. work that I just know is going to work for me. And unfortunately, I'll be honest here, the fo- the folks who I have seen like killing it in a certain area, but like I don't like their energy, but I feel like maybe I should learn from them because, oh, gee, it looks like it's working for them. But like maybe they're too aggressive or there's something about them that seems manipulative. If I invest in their program, I find it won't work for me because I I don't want to implement their their stuff because it feels gross for me. So it's a waste of energy and it's a waste of money. So do feel out the energy of the people that you learn from. I think that's something people don't talk about, but I think it's so important. Oh my God. Can I just tell you that this speaks a lot to my current crises that okay. I'm unfolding um, <laughs> publicly. I'm losing my mind. No, the uh, I had to get rid of social media. Ah. It, was, it was killing me. I'm like, oh, how do I build a business without social media? Oh my God. And there, uh, I'm doing a webinar, right? So yeah. the the webinar software Keep sending me emails that are so fucking gross. Yeah. Here's how you bribe people. People, you need to tell people this because then they're going to do this. I'm like, you're fucking grossing me out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still the platform. I'm still using the platform. But anyways, um, I I even lost my my brain farted there because I got all weird. (laughs) Um, Sarah, I don't have another question for you. Do you okay. have a question? D- did you want to talk about anything? 
Yeah. I mean, there's one last thing I'll say sort of around what we were just talking about, like how to know if you're maybe off track or if things are for you. So one is financially. And then the second thing is, does it like, does it feel good? Does it feel bad? Does what you're doing feel bad? Most of what you're doing as a, as a business owner, like the build itself should feel mostly good. Like, yes, you're going to have a little imposter syndrome. Yes, you're going to have some fear along the way. At many points, you're going to feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing, but it shouldn't feel icky. It shouldn't feel gross. Um, You should be enjoying the people who come your way. Um, When I first started uh, coaching, I built a different brand and it was quite corporate in nature. And I ended up attracting a lot of corporate types that I didn't really like working with. Like I was talking to like finance bros and I didn't like helping them with their resumes. Finance um, bros. And, right. So um, like I, I figured out really early in the first iteration of my business, oh, actually the brand I built isn't the right match for the kind of people I want to attract. So it didn't mean I had to throw out the whole concept of becoming a career coach. It just meant I had to be like, I mean, my business now is called careergasm. So I just had to let that sort of cheeky, edgy part of myself out in my brand so that I would attract the right kind of weirdos that I wanted to work with. I'm happy to be one of those weirdos. I am so glad you named your book careergasm. Otherwise I wouldn't have read it. There you go. Yeah. That's hilarious. So yeah, keep that in mind. If it doesn't feel good, it means that there's a tweak that needs to happen. Okay. That's really, that's really helpful. You know what? Let's tell people you and me, we're still playing. You and I are still going to play and we're going to go on to your, uh, your, you're doing a webinar. Yeah. Talk about it. You'll talk about it better than I will. (laughs) So yeah, you and I are going to host a workshop for people to talk about what it's actually like to start your own business. And the reason I wanted to ask you specifically, Russ, to do this with me is you're such an open, honest, heart-centered guy. Like I know if you and I just chat for 45 minutes or so talking about your experience building a business and what was important to you and the shifts you made and like, oh, like the little roadblocks you had, um, I think it's going to help so many people. So we're just going to sort of jam for 45 minutes helping people with some of the first stages of starting a business, like talking about the stuff that you wish you knew before you started some of the, some of the sort of assumptions that you noticed you had that you changed over time um, that are, that are really common for all entrepreneurs. Um, And just giving some people some, some tips and tools and tricks that they can put to use right away. If they're, Entrepreneur curious if they're curious Ooh. about starting business. Yeah. I like that word. Are you entrepreneur curious? Let's go. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, come and join us. Um, I'm going to peel my entire onion uh, about my own journey. The um, And we'll put all the link in the show notes, everything. Yeah. And there'll be a number of, uh, if you guys want to get to know Sarah, it's all going to be in there. There'll be links galore and, you know, poke around and she's got a ton of free shit. You have so much free shit on your, um, and reach out to her. If you have questions, uh, she is, uh, one of the good ones. All right. It's always fun talking to you. Let's keep Thanks. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, just, I've, I've loved working with you and I just, I love the person you are. So thanks for inviting me to talk to your community again. Thank you, Sarah. I feel likewise. 
She is so awesome to talk to you guys. I cannot recommend her enough uh, on the career coaching track. If uh, if that is what you are looking for, the proof is in the pudding, man. I'm the pudding. I'm the, the there's proof inside my pudding. Oh, that sounds gross. Um, anyways, it works. It really does. And uh, just to remind you, come to this the webinar that Sarah's hosting. I'm going to be on that as well. It should be super fun times. Always fun chatting with her. Um, the links will be in the show notes. Explore those links. Clickety-clack away. And if you have any questions, always, guys, feel free to reach out. Forum folks, we should talk about some of this stuff in the entrepreneur section. Let's get in there and discuss. And with that, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And I'm going to talk to you later. Later.